0: All the, time. all the time, all the time, all the time. God is good. Good is God is all the time, all the time. Here we are. It's <laughs> so good to see each and every one of you. Welcome to Tuesday afternoon Bible study. Hey, and if you are online, we are blessed to have you with us as well. Whatever day that you are watching this on, we are. We're you made it? We're at the end of John. Can you believe it? This is the last chapter. We start 1 Corinthians next week. Uh, it's been uh, it five or six years since, uh, since that book was done by uh, Pastor John before me, so we will, we will start that uh, next week. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give, give thanks for this time that we have to spend together to dive into Your Word to learn a little bit more about Your love to see how we can transform lives, change hearts, and walk with you. We lift up those prayer concerns that were lifted up today, and we just we, we know that you listen. We know that you care. And help them to keep them in our hearts as well, so they know that they are loved both by you and us. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. John chapter 1. We are after the resurrection. We are after... Uh, the appearances to Thomas. And now this is, these, are, these are kind of some of the catch-all um, uh, visitations that Christ had before his ascension. Who wants to read? Let's see. Let's, let's split this one up. Verses 1 through 6. Jesus and the miraculous
1: catch a fish. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Right. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. They said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that next night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them. Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, "Throw your net on the right side of the boat; you will find some." When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish.
0: So afterward, Jesus appeared to his disciples. John records another of of, of the several appearances of the resurrected Jesus to his disciples. Uh, this appearance took place in the Galilee region at the Sea of Tiberias uh, Matthew chapter 28 at the end of Matthew also records an appearance uh, in Galilee as well uh, Simon Peter once again Peter's at the top of the list of disciples uh, this time he was among one two three four five six two other seven Uh Seven others who joined him in fishing at the Sea of Galilee, uh, and two others of his disciples. There are two others; they're unnamed. Uh, some commentaries are like, "Well, why doesn't John name them?" Uh, wondering if if the unnamed disciples could also stay in place for for the rest of us as well. Uh, these names are never published in human documents. There's, you know, there, there's there's people whose deeds go unnoticed and they never get recorded, and, uh, and this, might be, this might be one of them. Uh, to these, he manifested himself as surely to the others, and maybe the others represent the majority of the saints. Simon Peter, he's going, he's going back to his old job. What was his old job? Fishing. Some believe that Peter was wrong to go fishing, that this was a compromised return to a former occupation. That ministry thing, three years, it was a good run. Didn't work out. Let's go fishing. Say again? Well, that's another thing is that for the last three years, uh, a lot of their, uh, um, their <laughs> the, 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 whoever buttered their bread, um, they got paid to be part of the ministry where Jesus had his own sponsors. And and, and people who paid for ministry to happen. And so Peter and the disciples, they were the benefactors of those. Keep doing your work. We'll fund you. Uh, that's kind of a, a, a theme for ministry for many people. Uh, and now, all of a sudden, since the whole Jesus movement died, I think the disciples looked at each other and like, you know, that ministry didn't have a 401k plan. Uh, <laughs> no, one, no, one is, no one is here feeding us. So, it it could be that he was not evading ministry, but it could be like, we just literally have to eat. We don't know which way it was going. They did go to Galilee because Jesus told them to. If you remember in one of the Easter passages, Jesus told them, uh, go on to Galilee and I will meet you there. So, here they are in Galilee. So at best, it shows that Peter and the other disciples were uncertain why they were in Galilee, and the fishing expedition plainly reveals the uncertainty of the disciples, um, which contrasts sharply with what uh, the purpose they got on the day of Pentecost, which is in a few weeks from here. So that night, they caught zilch. Anyone ever have that kind of fishing day? Nothing? Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, Played that game plenty. Plenty. Uh, they fished through the night, had no success. I uh, uh, heard one sermon where someone said, to be a fisherman, you must expect disappointments. Um, you often cast your net and bring up nothing but weeds. Yep. Jesus stood on the shore. The three previous resurrection appearances in John's gospel, there were also unexpected. Um, the disciples did not know this was Christ either. After a while, they, they should just get an idea. If someone mysterious shows up, it's Jesus. And again, for whatever reason, they don't recognize him. Of course, they're also 100 yards off uh, out in the water. It's a wonderful thing to think that Jesus showed up at their work. He was interested in all their life, not just when they attended religious service. Jesus shows up where you are too, not just in church. Uh, we don't know exactly why they didn't know it was Jesus. Maybe they were preoccupied with her failure of fishing, or they just couldn't see them through the mist on the lake. And again, it's, it's 100 yards, and they were not expecting him, even though he said, I will meet you in Galilee. Children, friends, do you have any food? Do you have any fish? A common greeting that working men used among themselves um, uh, one, one uh, commentary said it should, be, it should be lads, like friends, you know, what guys would call each other. Uh, that, was, that was the phrase that he used um, back then. Uh, cast your net on the right side of the boat, and then you'll find some. I heard a sermon a while back that, that, uh, that no matter what your politics, this has nothing to do with politics. If you cast your le- if, if you try to work on the left you 'll never get anything done if you if you tend more toward the right of politics and life you 're going to do okay that 's that 's not what this is it it doesn 't even say why this should matter left or right. you would imagine that the disciples would fish from both sides um, but for whatever reason uh, try the other side and this is a little bit of a miracle thing uh, going on here uh, it 's probably a test. Just to, Are they going to listen from a stranger calling out fishing instructions from the shore? But you might as well, because you got nothing to show for it anyway. They were not able to draw it in because the multitude of fish. And they were successful beyond expectation. Uh, Luke chapter 5 has a story very s- similar. If you've got your Bibles, go to, go to Luke chapter 5. I saw one commentary that said this, Luke has the same sort of story, but uh, John has it in a different part. Luke chapter 5, oh, this is the calling of the first disciples. Uh, I'm reading from the NIV here. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, Galilee, with his peoples crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats, and there by the fishermen left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from a boat. And when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Sound like a familiar story? So it's also possible that uh, this happened twice, at the beginning of the ministry and also at the end of the ministry. And Peter, Peter's ear should have been ringing because, like, I've seen this before.
1: If everybody thinks about it, when I look at you, my left side is your right side. When it's my right side, it's your left side. So, which side did Jesus put it on? Right to him or left to him?
0: I don't know. You know? (laughs) (laughs) The side with the fish. (laughs) The side with the fish.
2: (laughs) But if you're looking at it from today's perspective, maybe it's not right or left. He's just saying correct. Do the correct thing, you do it from the correct side, not the right side or the left side politically, but do what is correct
0: I, I think this is also jesus way of just pulling a little 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 miracle like right. out there right, right. but, but you?
2: if you think of it in those terms, you know when someone says and you 're like for driving, for instance, do I turn right or left and you say you're right, then sometimes you say right and you go correct because you don't want to say. It just makes it more um so that they understand it correctly.
0: When i'm uh, when I'm driving with my kids and they'll say, Do I turn left here? Right. I turn right here. No, I'm sorry. Correct. Turn left. Answer the question correctly. So I'm driving I'm driving with my brother and he's he's uh he's driving I'm I'm right no I'm driving I was driving he was he was right here and we got to an intersection that only he could see this way cuz it was at an angle and I asked is anybody coming and he said no so I proceeded to go through and a winnebago doing 70 miles an hour just almost kills us and and I get over I get over and my heart's beating and I look over him and he is freaked out and I said, I asked, is anyone coming? And I said, he goes, I meant no, don't go. <laughs> like, answer the question. <laughs> answer the question. Big difference. Luckily, I didn't know I was about to be killed, but he saw the whole thing. <laughs> ah.
3: I was told um, one time that uh, they said, Why the right side? Because Jesus is always right. The other factor is on verse 5. There's a miracle that a lot of of people miss. Uh, Here is the true miracle that takes place. When when asked if they had caught anything, these fishermen answered no. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. (laughs) Fishermen always say the nibbles have been fabulous, or you should have seen the one that got away. They fished all night and caught nothing. This may be the only true fish story that was ever told. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: let's jump through uh, 7 to uh, 14. 7 to 14, the rest of that section.
2: Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat towing the full, the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, "'Bring some of the fish you have caught.' So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged a net ashore. It was full of large fish." hundred and fifty-three, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was
0: raised from the dead. So who who was the one who said it's the Lord? Which disciple? John, and who got who got there first? Peter. Does that sound like the resurrection story just a little bit? Remember how John got uh, did yeah, and then Peter went in, and uh, it's like it's almost like P, John John has an idea or John notices something, and Peter jumps on it, and and I want to be there first. Uh, I, want, I, want, I want all the credit, or I want. I, want <laughs> I know you don't know anyone like that, but that's, that, was, that was Peter. Um, plunged into the sea. John was first in recognition, Peter would be first in devotion. Uh, did you notice anything interesting? Uh, if, if you're about to jump in the water and swim, do you, you take off your clothes? Not put on your clothes. Why? Why would Peter do this? Yeah, big time respect. If if, if I'm out there fishing in the skivvies, and uh, I'll just pick on someone, and, and on the shore, my father-in-law called, call, "Hey, Mike, come over here." I'm putting on something, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not showing up on shore without something, right? Uh, it's a total total sign of respect, and you you don't show body parts uh, it's, there's, there's, there's a, a lot of modesty here. Um, probability here is that the word, uh, he was, he was not naked, but he was stripped for work. He was, he was, he was down to, uh, to bare bones. They drugged the net with fish. The other disciples followed. They were doing the hard work of bringing in the fish, uh, with him. They got there. They saw a fire of coals there. Jesus already had some fish. And uh, he also had something else. He had fish and he had some bread. Yep. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to him. Is there another story that you can think of with bread and fish? Yeah, the feeding of the five thousand and all that. Yeah. Yep. The road to Emmaus. Jesus took the bread, and gave it to him, and he. Whenever you break bread, uh, Christ is Christ is with us. Uh, the order of events shows that Jesus had food for them before the great uh, catch of fish was brought in. Uh, 153 plus a wet net. How much do you think that would weigh? Let's say large fish. It says large fish. A couple hundred pounds, several hundred pounds. 90? Ooh. Uh, either way, Peter's dry... Peter was built. <laughs> he uh, of, of all the descriptions that I see of Peter, of all the artistic expressions, he is the one just just built like an ox compared to the other disciples. Uh, there's an exact number of fish. Uh, how many? 153. Of all the details to, to record in Jesus' life, maybe it's the fisherman's story. Did you, do you remember how many we caught that day? 153. Uh, course throughout the ages interpreters have, have uh, tried to play with this number because it, it, for some reason it meant something to John uh, maybe 153 um, they, they like numerology I'll just be honest they like numerology they like trying to figure out how numbers can play together um, how, uh, they are all odd numbers uh, how many? how many commandments are there? How many, how many, uh, um, there's sevenfold gifts of the spirit. Uh, those were two important things to them back then. That equals 17. If you add up one plus two plus three plus four plus five all the way up to plus 17, you get 153. That might be in there. Um, sometimes they take, uh, names and numbers, uh, like, pretend A is 1, B is 2, C is 3, all the way down to Z is 26. But if you do that in Greek, uh, if you if you uh, uh, get the words Peter and fish, add up those numbers in, that, in, in Greek numerology, you get 153. Ancient writers also at that time believed that there were 153 different types of fish in the world. Of course, we know that there's greater, but ancient writings... Uh, They they do say uh, 153 types of fish. And so maybe it could be symbolism of go be fishers of people, fishers of men. Go collect one of everybody. Go into all the world and uh, um, find the harvest uh, from the ends of the earth. Uh, just a whole bunch of different uh, numerologies. Or, honestly, it could just be 153 fish.
4: Uh, when Faye and I were in Israel, one of the lunches we had was St. Peter's fish, which is probably what they caught out of the sea. It is the ugliest thing you have ever seen. Um, I think... I'm sure that they gutted the fish first, but when they laid it on your plate, it had the head, the tail, and everything in between, and it just laid there staring at you.
0: All right, all right, moving on. Um, where else are we in the story? Oh, uh, come, come and eat. Uh, we are again impressed by, at the servant nature of Jesus. Even in his resurrection, he is—he's the one cooking. Uh, God God bless them. Uh, there's a lot of places where the word come takes into place with Jesus uh, throughout the Gospels. Come and see, come and learn, come and rest, come and dine, come and inherit. Um, there's always an invitation with Christ. Uh, none of the disciples dared ask him who you are, knowing who are you, knowing that this was the Lord uh, Another indication that there was something unusual about the appearance of Jesus after his resurrection. Uh, but they knew, they knew it was him, especially in the breaking of the bread. Um, oftentimes, Jesus is seen eating with his disciples. He did it with the other, other resurrection stories that we had. Um, Said so this is the third one, at least the third one uh, in the Gospel of John. The first one was with all the disciples. Uh, the second one was... Uh, with uh, with Thomas, uh, a week later, they ate the bread and fish that morning. I I, I doubt not in silent self humiliation. According to one author, Peter looked with tears in his eyes at the fire of the coals, remembering how he stood and warmed himself when he denied his master. If you remember that story, Thomas stood there wondering that he should have dared to ask such proof of a fact most clear.
5: One of the things that comes to me through all of this is that Peter has a lot going on. He's thinking about a whole lot of stuff that has happened since they arrested Jesus and the way he played his role in all of that. And you can imagine all these guys sitting around the water uh, talking about it, you know, and whatever. So I can see him saying, I'm going fishing. And he had encountered Jesus a lot of times out on the water. So to with move himself away from the group so that he could think about all of this and kind of come to some kind of resolution in what had happened in his own mind, I think is one of the things that's kind of coming out in all of this. But all these other guys said, oh, we'll go with you, you know. So then the story starts unfolding because he hasn't been, what he feels like, forgiven by Jesus yet. Not yet. And then pretty soon he'll come along and say, you're forgiven and we'll build the church on you as a cornerstone. So there's a whole lot that's going on with uh, Peter that, uh, to me... I can a- identify with him or empathize with him yeah. about this encounter.
0: I've, I've never thought about it like that. Thank you. Um, have you ever hurt someone's feelings and you were going to go over and visit, but you went over with a crowd or a family or something like that, but you wanted to catch them alone before before all the interactions? Um, I've, you know, I've done that with my spouse or other folk uh, where, where I said something stupid and uh, I, I had to go apologize. And even if the kids are there, I was like, all right, uh, can, can we go talk in the other room for a minute sort of thing. Every time Peter, yeah, every time Peter's in the story, he tries to get there first. Uh, John, he, he goes into the tomb first. Uh, I wonder if he's expecting to see Jesus and like, Jesus, I am so like, we got, let's talk about this. I am sorry, and, you know, that broken heart. Uh, And and here we are. Jesus is on the shore. Peter's like, bring the boat, and I got to beat you there so I can have my moment to talk. I've never thought about it like that before. Thank you. In a moment, we're going to get Peter reinstated. But as far as Peter knows, he's still on the outs. Okay, let's do verses 15 through... We'll break this up, 15 to 19, about middle of that page. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter,
3: Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you, went where you wanted. To. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me.
0: It was important for Jesus to restore Peter in the presence of the other disciples. Even if Peter caught him in the living room by himself uh, to, to ask, Lord, I messed up, forgive me. It was still important for Jesus to do this in front of the others and, and say, Peter, you, you and me, we're, we're, we're okay. Uh, although we did call him by, what, what was the name that he called him by the first, first time he called him? Simon. Remember, remember uh, in, in the middle of the gospel, uh, he says, You'll no longer be called Simon, but you'll be called Peter. So he, he kind of went back to that first name for a moment. I don't know if it's the formality. Simon, son of John, uh, because this is almost ceremonial of a reinstatement of <laughs> you, you. You are back. You are back on top of the of, of, of the disciples, and you will uh, on you. I will build my church, where it almost has that ceremonial feel to it. At weddings, a lot of times I will ask, "What do you want me to call you?" And almost, almost always, they go by their formal names. Uh, not their nicknames, not anything like that. But uh, if if their name is Thomas, most of the time they'll want to go by Thomas and not Tom, something like that, uh, because this is a formal, formal kind of thing. I did have a heart attack a while back. I was doing a wedding, and it was it was it was it was uh, like Steve and Stacy, and I was just saying Steve and Stacy, Steve and Stacy, Steve and Stacy. And we got to the rings, or the vows, and I said, you know, pass your flowers off, turn and hold hands. And she passes the flowers off, and the maid of honor says, Veronica, you're doing a great job. And I had that moment of like, I've been calling her Stacy this whole wedding. And I leaned over, are you, are you Stacy or Veronica? And she says, my real name's Stacy. She calls me Veronica. I'm like, oh, thank God. I had that moment of, ugh. Oh. Simon, we're going official name here. Simon, son of John, official. Uh, Something something special is happening here. Uh, There's an air of solemnity about John's use of the full name. Do you love me more than these? And we can guess uh, these mean disciples. Do you you love me? Two ways you could read it, right? Uh, Do you love me... (laughs) more than these. Do you like, do you like me more than you like your disciples? Or the question could be, Peter, do you like, do you love me more than the other disciples love me? Do you see how it could be said both ways? Okay. At least in English uh, for us as as we look at it. Uh, Long story short, he's, he, he's asking, uh, where are you, Peter, Uh, in your, in your love for me? Do you want to keep on fishing? or I'll make you fishers of men. Three times. Three times. I think Jesus wanted to know if Peter still had a proud estimation of his love and devotion to Jesus. Remember the last, one of the last times they met, Peter's like, we, we, will, we will die with you, Lord. We will fight for you. And that didn't quite happen. Jesus asked the question twice using the word agapus, which we get the word agape. Different kinds of love. All right, here, 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 here's your love speech. Agape, total committed love, like God's love. Philo, uh, we get the word Philadelphia. Delphia means brother. Uh, philo means love, brotherly love, friendly love that kind of thing. And then we got eros, where we get the word erotic, and I will let you uh, figure out that one, what that one means. Okay? Three different word, ways to do love. In, 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 in this passage, uh, Jesus asked, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter says, Yes, Lord, you know I follow you. See the difference? Peter, <laughs> do you agape me? Lord, you know all things. I follow you. If I go to my wife and I say, Honey bunny, I love you. And she goes, I like you too. I would have to think about this and overanalyze every single word choice. Right. I like you like you. Yeah, check, check here. <laughs> the third time. The third time Jesus changes his word to Philo, he matches Peter's use of the word. Peter, do you follow me? And then Peter, yes, Lord, you, you, you know all things. You know I follow you. Uh, Jesus matched his word to, to the love that Peter had. Uh, if I were to preach on this, it would be Jesus meets us where we are. My job as pastor is not to get you to be 100% spiritually devoted where you're at church every day and you are, you are like super saint. My job is to find out where you are on, the, on, that, uh, on that faith journey and just bring you one step closer, one step closer, one step closer. Uh, Jesus meets, meets the disciples where they are. My job is to meet you where you are and just nudge you a little closer wherever that might be. Uh, The closest analogy I have is uh, like uh, those who do, uh, like a personal trainer at the gym. If I would go to the personal trainer at the gym and like, here I am. And they said, great, you're gonna run a marathon tomorrow. No, 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 no. (laughs) Baby steps. Get me there. But eventually, eventually, when someone joins the church for the first time, I've never belonged to the church. I'm like, great. Let me tell you about tithing. Not going to happen, right? <laughs> Baby steps, all the way there. Great. Read the whole Bible. Baby steps all the way there. <laughs> my job is to bring you one step closer. Jesus' job is to all right, I'm Peter, I'll meet you where you're at, and uh, we, will, we will work on this together. Uh, Tend my sheep. It's not just taking care of the sheep, but actually exercise the office of shepherd. is, is, is what that means, uh, in the emphatic verb. Peter had denied... Well, hold on. Uh, how many times did Jesus ask him? Three times. Remember Peter, something else with three at the uh, crucifixion? Denied him three times. So maybe each, each time we have to counteract that denial with, a, with an affirmation. That's a possibility. Jesus didn't ask Peter, are you sorry? Will you promise you never do that again? All he did was just challenge him to love. Just take care of my sheep. Be the shepherd. Uh, When you were younger, uh, Jesus spoke of Peter's past, reminding him of of his younger days when he had less responsibility and could do more or less as he pleased. I remember those days. Uh, But as you get older, you get more and more responsibilities. And uh, there you go. When you were old, you will stretch out your hands. Uh, Jesus uh, is, is... giving him a little hint on the way he's going to die. Anyone know how, how Peter meets his demise 20, 25 years later? Crucified. Upside down. When he was being crucified, uh, legend has it, he says, I, I'm not worthy enough to be crucified like my Lord Flip me upside down. That's, that's that. Um, Andrew, Andrew was uh, also crucified, so Peter was crucified on a cross. Imagine this upside down. Andrew, Andrew had a diff, uh, was also crucified on a different kind of cross. He was, his cross was kind of cross bars, that makes sense. Uh, so if you go to Scotland, I know you can't see this at all, but they have the cross of St. Andrew on there, which is the, is it a white stripes in a blue field? Is that right? I think so. Uh, And Great Britain uses that part of theirs as well, St. Andrew's Cross. One of the last things that Jesus tells Peter, follow me. Follow me. Dramatic moment. Jesus gave these last words to Peter. Years before, he also used exactly that same phrase. Follow me. And uh, he gets to reaffirm uh, that moment. In other words, basically, will you keep on following me? Uh, Peter had followed Christ, and uh, now in the future, he's going to do the same as well. All right. Let's finish it off. Verses 20 to the end. End of the book.
4: Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper when he had said, Lord, who is going to be to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, If I want him. Him to remain alive until I return, what is that of you?" This is the disciple who testified to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be
0: written. Jesus just renewed his challenge to Peter, follow me. And Peter's first response was not to say, yes, Lord. I will do so, Lord. Whatever you say, Lord. Peter says, follow me. What about that guy? What about that guy? So I got kids. I got three kids. Hey, I tell one kid, hey, go do the dishes. Do you know what that kid does? What about, what about these guys? What are they going to do? We've got to make this fair. What about this guy? Peter first responds to the personal challenge by deflecting it, wondering what Jesus wanted to do regarding someone else. And Peter represents most of us. What about John? Well, his unique contribution will come later. Uh, John would later settle in a cosmopolitan city of Ephesus, and uh, later on, he would be arrested and sent to the island of Patmos, and he would write this gospel. Uh, matter of fact, it's the last thing written in the New Testament. Uh, all the all the epistles, Revelation, all that came before uh, John would write his gospel. Uh, if I will that he remain till I come, what's that to you? Jesus answered Peter with another challenge. <laughs> Uh, you know what? John is probably going to have a different destiny than you. Life's not fair. Fair f- fair is where the tilt-a-whirl and cotton candy are. That's what my parents used to say. And again, we get the words. What is that, what is that to you? You follow me. We get to follow me one more time. Personal and pointed challenge to Peter. Uh, Some people believe that this disciple would not die and John has to reiterate, he only said, he only said if, if that's what he wanted. He didn't say that's what was going to happen. Uh, The fact that John was the last surviving disciple having survived attempts to kill him gave strength to this this rumor. Uh, One reason John added this appendix to the gospel was to clarify about what Jesus said to correct the rumor. And this is the disciple who testifies to these things. Here John explains that he was the unnamed disciple all the way through in previous chapters. Um, And John wrote the truth about Jesus, but it's impossible for him or anyone else to write the whole truth about Jesus. There are many other things that Jesus did. It's impossible to write them all. And with this delightful uh, hyperbole, he lets us know that there is much more about Jesus than we'll know. And someday we might get to know more about the story. Well, God bless you, and we will see you on Sunday. If not, we'll see you on Tuesday. Go in peace.